Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Alexis Gladstone is the founder of Intelead. Intelead designs strategies and programs to help clients develop current and next generation leaders, increase the effectiveness of individuals in sales, and drive organizational changes that deliver results. She has a passion for empowering professional women and helping them succeed. She is a sought-out voice trainer, coach on the topics of women in leadership, and helps clients recruit, develop, and retain female talent. Alexis has presented, trained, and coached thousands of individuals in public and private companies, higher education, and not-for-profit organizations. These clients are in industries such as financial, legal services, manufacturing, hospital, medical, internationally. She has presented and trained at a number of organizations in Melbourne, Australia, for business and government leaders in Harbin, China, and for corporate leaders in the UK. She is a frequent podcast guest around the globe talking about women in leadership and sales and is the co-author of Pure Wealth, 26 Ways to Crazy Profitability. Alexis, welcome. So happy to be here. Thank you, Denise, for having me. Wow, you have accomplished a lot, I must say. But <laughs> when, when somebody reads it, I'm like, oh, did I really do that? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to jump into that. But I want to talk first about you almost had a different type of career. Well, I'm not sure I totally almost had the actual career, but I did do growing up for 18 years, I took dance, which was mostly ballet. So I was a quote unquote ballerina from the time I was three until about 21 when I stopped. So, and I loved it because it does so much for you. It gives you discipline. It helps you, you know, get out and be doing something because I was certainly not sports minded whatsoever and not athletic in, in the traditional athletic point of view. And, um, and just, you know, the relationships and things that I found, that I formed. And I loved also, I was, was part of a small performing group that our choreographer had. That was through high school and then a little bit into college that I did that. And that was a blast because we got to go all over the state and do all kinds of performances. So it was a lot of fun. It does sound like a lot of fun. Now, it's interesting that you say about um, the uh, discipline it provides, because I always hear that about martial arts. This is the first time I've heard it about ballet. However, I understand what you're saying. And ballerinas are extraordinarily physically fit. I mean, they have to be to invoke the muscles to do what the body must do for ballet. And the body isn't supposed to do in a normal course of, of how we were actually designed. You know, it's, you know, here it is many, many years later and, you know, all of these aches and pains and certain things. I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably ballet related. You know, the arthritis in my mm. feet from being on point and those types of things. Oh but yeah, it is the discipline part of it, you know, because you have to practice a lot, just like you do, you know, any other sport or any other type of thing that you're passionate about. And you have to really be focused when you're doing a lot of different moves. Just like you said, martial arts, it's all focus. And that's this, a lot of dance is the same way, especially the classic dance. So how has this focus played into you developing your company and all of the wonderful things that you've accomplished? 
Well, I, I would love to say that developing my company was was a planned thing, but it really wasn't. It was it was it was happenstance when my job was eliminated, which I think a lot mm. of people can relate to. And I fell into consulting, and I decided I loved it because it got let me do a few things. I could focus on those things that I really liked to do. I could pick and choose, you know, the type of projects I wanted to work on and the clients that I wanted to work with. And I could also have my freedom of time when I wanted that and have that flexibility. So while it was focused, once I decided and once I got into it, there was that focus. But the start of it really wasn't because, it, like I said, it was really happenstance when it happened. So as I was reading through your bio, there are a couple of key terms that jumped out. One is next generation leadership. And the other is, of course, empowering women. And so let's let's focus first on that next generation of leadership. Tell me, tell me about this. How what do you do to to make this happen? Because I don't think people realize, or maybe they do now, we're we're in what people are calling a talent tsunami, where right. incredible amounts of turnover. You know, it's been a pain in the butt to hire folks. And it's across industries. It's not just the service industries. But talk about this a little bit, because I think that's key to solving that problem. Well, uh, here's what happens. Here's been my experience of what, uh, what I've actually seen happen and hear that happens. So you have, you're in an organization, and it doesn't matter whether the organization is you know, small, maybe 100 people, or whether it's a you know, large multinational organization. A lot of times people are put into their first leader role, whatever that is. That might be leading a small team on a project. That might be leading a team on a daily basis. But they're put in this leadership role and they're not given any training. They don't know how to do it. So many organizations promote the best whatever, the best line person on the manufacturing line, the best salesperson, the best, you know, accountant, whatever it is, they promote the best because they're really good at it. Well, they can lead the rest of everybody. And it doesn't work that way because they're really good at what they're good at because they have those technical expertise, you know, whatever that technical expertise is for their profession, but they don't necessarily know how to garner and lead a group of people and really help those people get the be- do what they need to do and get the best out of them and help develop them and all of those things that you need to do as a leader. So I love working with early emerging leaders and trying to help them see, here are some of the things you need to do. Here are some of the ways you think about communicating with people and you think about building your team and you think about structuring meetings and all these basic things we just never talk about and we never, quote unquote, train people on. You know, when I worked uh, years ago at Coca-Cola, I, one of the things that was imparted to me is like, you're not promotable until you've trained your replacement. And that's before it happens. And the same thing is, you know, they, a leader is going to show those leadership skills before they apply for that leadership position. So it kind of plays hand in hand there. Talk to me a little bit about the types of things you do for leadership development. Well, I do the if you kind of take a look at everything that could be part of talent development or leadership development, I actually play in the entire space. So I could work with an organization of any size, helping them create the strategy. So what does that mean? That means that I'm helping them say, okay, 
we have people who are first-time leaders, and we have senior leaders. What is all the training? What do you What's the training that they need along the way? What are the experiences? Because it's not just classroom or online training. There's experiences you can give people to help them develop skills in different ways. So what does that look like? So what's the strategy? So there's that piece of it. There's designing, developing, and delivering actual training around some of these leadership skills. Some people call them soft skills or essential skills that are, a lot of them are important to being a good team member, but they're even more important when you're going to be a leader. And then I do individual coaching, one-on-one coaching with um, individuals at all points in their leadership journey. So those are the types of things and the different experiences people can have that can help them grow into being a better leader. Do you feel like technology advances have, has changed the way people lead? Say more about that. In what way are you asking, Denise? <laughs> so, for instance, you know, a lot of technology has changed. You've got HR systems, ERP systems, things that didn't exist when those who are senior leaders now were, were in the workforce and working their way up. And so a lot of these positions where you're saying, you know, it's the best of this person, say a manufacturing line, it has to be a person who also has technology skills. How, how has technology changed the way people lead? Well, I think in a couple different ways, there's some, some different things, depending on which type of system we're talking about. There's some uh, systems that really give people a lot of data, So they have better data to make better decisions, both about the business and about what the structure of their organization looks like, how work gets done within the organization. So that's going to impact how teams are organized and how work gets done and how you lead. But then there's the downside of it is like, oh, we have this, let's let's put out there the proverbial online performance management system for those organizations who do, you know, annual reviews type of things. There's systems that do that. So the leaders are like, oh, this. they think the system is the process versus the tool to help them enable, to ha- enable them to have better conversations. So the downside of some of the technology is the reliance on it for things it's not made for. That makes perfect sense. So as you're coming into these organizations, what's the number one advice that you would give for retaining their top talent? have to, I mean, it's kind of advice. It's always my advice when people ask me almost any question about getting better in an organization, communication. You have to have the lines of communication open. You can't let people out there struggling. You can't let them kind of go doing their daily, whatever their daily tasks are and whatever their daily responsibilities are without having touch points, communication and letting them know A, how they're doing, B, that you care as a leader and, you know, find out from them what's going on and really have that human connection. And I, I think one of the things that the pandemic has, has really not that I want to talk about that, but because we're so, so many people are virtual, I think sometimes we either overdo that or underdo that. Finding that balance of making sure that you have that right connection in the right amount of time and when it's needed, it's, it's a balancing act. But it's all about communication and it's all about having those open lines and frequent communication. It's interesting that you would mention that about the pandemic because I was going to follow up with that. Is like, how has that changed it? Because now there's all these remote workforces. Um, with my company, we've 
been building remote for many years, so it's not pandemic related. So we have what I feel like could be a, you know, a good system in place. And I know some people were forced into that space. And so it was a challenge trying to figure that out. What other challenges have you seen come up recently with um, like small businesses trying to develop their leaders? I, th- I think it's the t- taking the time to do it. I mean, when you're the small, when you're a small business, that's the biggest challenge. Always time. <laughs> time is exactly time is always a challenge, and realizing that it's a priority. I mean, you brought up something really important, which is retention. You know, we're in this what what do they call it? The great resignation right now. I mean, people are looking for whatever it is that's going to meet their particular needs and motivate them. And so being able to, to kind of work that, you know, the small business and retain them, you know, that's, it's really what it's all about. It's small businesses really, I think, have to focus a lot on those different types of things and really trying to figure out how do I take the time to have these conversations? How do I take the time to develop people, to train people? I just did a presentation yesterday for a an accelerator group. They're in the it's people that are all in the food industry, and we were talking about how do you best bring on talent and some of the things you know when especially when you're early in the business and you know how do you even know you need to start bringing on talent. And one of the things somebody was saying, it's like I have an intern, but the time I have to spend helping <laughs> train them is taking me away from doing all the all of these other, you know, 25 million tasks that I have to do. But on the other hand, she knows it's the right thing to do, but it's that balance of time. It, it is. It is. I had read a statistic somewhere that if it takes you 30 minutes to do something, it takes two and a half times that amount to train somebody on that 30-minute task. However, if you do that task weekly, in five weeks, you've already met your ROI. I, I would love for you to send that to me because <laughs> I, I can use that with a lot of people. That's an interesting t- statistic. And when you think about it, part of what happens, though, if you are going to train someone on a task, you can't just show them how to do it. And then it's like, OK, here, take notes and do it. There has to be a method to how you're transferring that knowledge to them. And I always go with the and this is kind of my simple I learned years ago from somebody who mentored me, tell, show, do, review. People can kind of remember that. You tell them what you're going to, you tell them about the task. You show them how to do it. You actually watch them while they do it. And then you provide feedback. And you do that a couple times. And and your training cycle is going to be shorter Mm -hmm. than, I don't know if it'll be, I don't know if your statistic, how that maps into that, but, but that really will help with the transfer of that knowledge. It was basically like five times. And I think that that, that's a daunting thing to think, oh my gosh, it's going to take me two and a half hours to show them this 30 minute thing. I can just do it myself faster. Well, yes, you can, but then you have to do it every week still. (laughs) I was going to say, and and then they're never, they're never going to have the chance to do it and take it over for you. Exactly. And that's all a part of leadership and delegation and, you know, letting go of the reins. So I I totally get it. Do you ever work on the front side of the process though, instead of like the the learning development and the the, um, retention, what about the recruitment? I don't actually do actual recruiting myself. What I have done with some organizations, especially organizations who 
are in industries where they're really trying to bring women in, I actually work with them on a process of helping them identify where might they find these women because mm-hmm. certain industries, especially those, you know, it, that are more on the, you know, hard manufacturing type sides of things, Equip, <laughs> I deal with equipment dealers or in some different things like that. They don't even know where to look. And so I do talk with them and coach them and, you know, here's some different ideas and some different things. If you're going to look in the same places you've always looked, you're going to find the same type of individual that you've always found. But if you want to change that with any diversity, Mm -hmm. whether it's women or anything else, you need to start looking in different places. And what are some of the places where you might tell people to look? Well, if let's use women for for example, there's a lot of you know depending on your community, there are a lot of organizations specifically for women, you mm-hmm. know where women can network and women can maybe go through educational programs, build their own networks in different ways, and a lot of them, those that have bigger events, they look for sponsors. So I recommend ah. to the businesses be a sponsor. Because if you're a sponsor, usually if you're a sponsor for an event, you get two minutes to get up on stage and say how wonderful you think the organization is and introduce yourself to the community that's mm-hmm. in your audience. So that's one of, one of the tactics that I talk about. And again, that's any diversity. I just happen to focus a little bit more on women in the initial conversation before talking and getting into other conversations about other diversity and bringing them in. And so, you know, you, you've been to a few places and trained, you know, outside of the country. What was your favorite one? Oh, gosh. I am fascinated by Asia and love China. I'm, I, I just find the culture just absolutely fascinating. But my heart is really in Australia. I have spent quite a bit of time going back and forth there over the years. It's been a while since I've been there. And I have some very good friends there. And that's where a lot of my heart is. Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your book. The book, Pure Wealth. So this was a collaboration. There were 26 female authors and we all wrote a chapter on something that we think has helped us. You know, you said the title is Pure Wealth. It's uh, 26 ways to crazy profitability. So what's profitability to each of us and what helped us or what is something that helped us get there or be that way. And I wrote my chapter about strategic networking. And it was all about, you know, not going when not going to events and collecting business cards, but kind of thinking through your network and looking who you have and being strategic about how you go and meet people and how you build those relationships. Because that's what business is all about. I mean, look at us that we met through our introduction. And here we are having a conversation and building relationships. And that's what it is. Absolutely. And I do a ton of networking, both networking groups, but I also very strategically try to keep in touch with certain people as a part of that strategy. <laughs> exactly. And and you should, and you should always be nurturing your, your network, you know, because you never know somebody might not be the right connection for whatever you need or whatever someone else in your network needs at the time. But if you keep it nurturing and you, you know, so you keep up to date on what people are doing and it's not necessarily what you need from someone, but being able to, I love making connections for other people. So I love saying, oh my gosh, Denise should meet whoever (laughs) that is. And here's why. And I don't know what might come of it, but I just know you need to meet just like Jen introduced us. Mm -hmm. So who would you like to meet? Tell our listeners. 
Oh, wow. What a great question. I haven't even thought, <laughs> I haven't even thought about this for a while. I, here's what, who I would like to meet because I'm toying with an idea. I would love to meet some emerging women leaders okay. because I am looking at creating a program and I'm just, just in the, the ideation phase of, of thinking about what this might be, but I'm looking at creating a program specifically for women who are emerging leaders and being able to do something with them in a group, in kind of a group environment. And I would love to meet some because I'm going to be creating some type of a survey to find out what actually they really get clear on what I think they need versus what they think they need so I can marry the two and create the best program. Gotcha. So you just need to do some research with some emerging women leaders. Mm -hmm. And if some of our listeners would like to introduce you to folks, how can they do that? Oh, that's great. Thank you for asking. So the best way to reach out to me is LinkedIn. My LinkedIn is Alexis Gladstone. I've, cu- I've actually customized it as I recommend everybody does when they can, if, if their name isn't already taken. Mm-hmm. So I love um, connecting with people. I always ask that you put a little note in there saying how you heard about me or, or, or so that I know to actually accept the connection. Or you can find me on my website, which is intelead, I-N-T-E-L-E-A-D.com. Perfect. Alexis, you've been an ideal guest today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me, Denise. This was so fun. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.